welcome to another episode of Crimes and Witch Demeanors. I'm your host and lovable librarian, Joshua Spellman. It is officially June, which means it is the start of Pride Month. I'm sure you've heard cis gays don't ever shut up about it, but it's Pride. And while many people are hitting the bars, marching in parades and having discourse about what is or is not acceptable at Pride, we're going to be focusing on the ghosts of our past and the pride of those who have made it possible for us to celebrate so openly in the streets today. On this episode, we're going to be heading down to the gayest town that there is, Provincetown, Massachusetts. It's fondly referred to as P-Town, and it's been one of the top LGBTQIA plus summer destinations for decades now. But what makes it so gay? What made it this gay mecca? And what makes the town so haunted? We're going to answer, and by we, I mean me, I talk about myself in the collective we, we're going to answer all of these questions today and dig specifically into the haunted history of the Rose and Crown guest house and its very flamboyant ghosts. But before we head to the Cape, I just have some quick housekeeping as per usual. So I've been spending well over a year now looking for permanent full-time employment, and I'm just happy to say that I finally have accepted a job offer. I'm going to be starting next week, and while it's not a traditional librarian role, it does blend my background as a former cosmetologist with my current career as an archivist and information professional. That being said, I want to keep creating quality episodes for you. I don't want to end up like other podcasts that let their quality slip just for the sake of quantity. That is not why I'm here. You know, I don't make any money from this, so it's not important for me to crank out episode after episode. So I'm going to be switching to a bi-weekly release schedule just for now and see how it works while I kind of settle into this new position to see really what it's going to be like to balance this with a full-time job that's new for me. And you know, I'm going to say it. I digress. So while today's ghosts are super fun and super gay, we do have some history to trudge through, and it may be as dull as pilgrims, but I assure you that the ghosts that we're going to be talking about today are incredibly flamboyant, and it's it's worth the trip through history, even though I myself find it the history, even with the pilgrims, fascinating. So without further ado, grab your swimsuit, grab some SPF, and the most fabulous feather boa you can find, and let's learn about paranormal P-Town. Located at one of the easternmost points of the United States, Provincetown, Massachusetts sits on the end of Cape Cod, the part that curls inward like a fishing hook. And not surprisingly, Provincetown eventually became a fishing and whaling town, of course, all of this after colonization. At the time of the first European encounter, the land was inhabited by the Nauset tribe, where they had a settlement known as Michon. The Nauset spoke Massachusetts, a dialect of the Algonquian language that was used in the now modern-day southern New England. This dialect was shared with the Wampanoag people. Like many native languages, it was lost, or more precisely, it was driven to extinction by the perils of colonialism and genocide, both physical and cultural. Fortunately, the language was revitalized in the early 1990s through the efforts of the Wampanoag Language Reclamation Project, co-founded by Jesse Little Doe Baird. The history of this dialect, like many native languages, is both fascinating and heartbreaking, but sometimes filled with hope. 
and I encourage you to learn more about the history and present reality of Native Americans in our country. However, that is not the focus of today's story. On May 15, 1602, Bartholomew Gosnold originally dubbed the land Shoal Hope and believed it to be an island. However, that name stuck for less than a day, as a few hours later he and his crew caught copious crates of codfish and instead decided to name the area Cape Cod. However, that name specifically referred to what is now modern-day Provincetown, and it wasn't until much later it was used for the whole area. Provincetown has a rich history, and in fact, it was the place where the Pilgrims signed the famous Mayflower Compact, though they opted to settle across the Cape on the mainland. After the American Revolution, Provincetown became a center for fishing and whaling, though its population did remain small until the 1890s. It was at this time that many artists and writers began staying in Provincetown, and it attracted many summer tourists. A deadly storm known as the Portland Gale left many buildings severely damaged, which in turn decimated the fishing industry in the area. However, the small art community took advantage of the situation and bought up many of the abandoned and damaged buildings. The arts community thrived, and by the early 20th century, the small town had acquired a reputation for its artistic scene and prolific authors. By the mid-1960s, Provincetown caught the attention of hippies who found its rural character alluring, and I'm sure the low price of rent in the winter months wasn't a bad deal either. As Provincetown continued to grow, by the 1970s it had built a large gay population, which expanded exponentially during the summer months. However, don't be fooled. P-Town had been gay for quite some time. It was a haven for artists and writers, after all and drag performances could be seen in the town as early as the 1940s. In 1978, the Provincetown Business Guild was created to support gay tourism in the area, and that they did. P-Town is now synonymous with gay vacations and resorts. And in fact, the 2010 U.S. Census revealed that Provincetown has the highest rate of same-sex couples in the entire country, at 163 per 1,000 couples. Now that we've learned a little bit about what makes this a queer mecca, we're going to focus our attention to a classic Georgian square-rigger home built in the 1790s, now affectionately known as the Rose and Crown Guest House. The figurehead above the entryway, fondly known as Jane Elizabeth, has witnessed centuries of atrocity, celebration, life, and death. Jane has watched her building transform from a private home into a shop, and then yet again into its modern-day incarnation as a bed and breakfast. The property has had many famous residents and guests, including Noel Coward, Madame, Waylon Flower, and abstract painter Fritz Pfeiffer, who perished in a fire there in 1960. The late 1970s marked the beginning of what was then deemed as gay cancer, or the AIDS crisis. People who fell ill with this disease were ostracized and shunned by their families in their most desperate time of need. However, the welcoming shores of P-Town lovingly embraced those affected by this virus, which, at the time, was nothing short of a death sentence. However, before the AIDS crisis in 1970, there was a woman named Alice Foley who was burnt out from her work as a nurse. She quit her job as a nurse in Boston, became a cab driver for a year, before she decided to make her way to Provincetown to work as a bartender. However, little did she know that she'd play a pivotal role in the fight against AIDS and become a nurse once more. As the disease became more and more prominent and finally obtained a name, nurse Alice Foley decided to use her training as a psychiatric nurse and take a stand, and she co-founded the Provincetown AIDS Support Group with fellow Provincetown resident Preston Babbitt. 
Throughout the 1980s, they operated mainly out of Babbitt's Ford Escort, driving individuals with AIDS to and from medical appointments, bringing them meals, and more often than not, just sitting with them to keep them company in a time where many feared to even be in their presence. Preston Babbitt was an art teacher from Rhode Island who moved to Provincetown in 1980. He purchased the property at 158 Commercial Street and set to work on making it old again, as Babbitt had an affinity for the classic cape style. This home eventually became the Rose and Crown Guesthouse. A talented painter and artist, Preston Babbitt was known as a lively and jolly figure, famous for his elaborate costumes that he fashioned for events and parades, which were adorned with sequins, chiffon, and feathers. Many fondly remember him lounging in his front yard, offering drinks and cheese to passerby. But aside from all of that, Babbitt was a dedicated member of the Provincetown community. He served as the president of the Board of Trustees of the Universalist Meeting House, he was a member of the Provincetown Historical Society, and he served as president of the Provincetown Business Guild. Nurse Foley said that he always had time and always made himself available. Whatever the situation might be, he was willing to get involved. I guess it was his sense of community that drove him. And it could be said that this sense of community not only fueled him in life, but also in death. Nurse Foley recalled the early days of the AIDS support group and that when everyone was secret about AIDS, Babbitt was never afraid to express his opinion. Now, it's unsure when Babbitt was diagnosed, but he eventually died of complications from AIDS in 1990. Preston left the Rose and Crown guest house to his daughter in his will, but it was eventually sold to Anne McDougall, whose family lived across the street from the Babbitt family in Rhode Island. However, Anne promised to keep the inn just as Preston had as a tribute to him and his life. Though Anne has preserved Preston's spirit in the decor, it appears his presence is more than just aesthetic. In early 2000, a guest staying at the inn awoke around three in the morning to find a figure at the foot of her bed. There was a woman dressed in a brilliant white wedding gown. But upon further inspection, the guest realized that it was not a woman, but in fact a kind-faced blue-eyed man donning the dress. The man smiled at her as he faded away filling the guest not with fear, but with a sense of calm and ease. The next day, the guest was walking through the inn where she spotted a painting of a man, the same man that she had seen in her bedroom. The guest inquired to the owners the identity of the man in the painting, and it was revealed to be a self-portrait of Preston Babbitt. And it was no surprise that Babbitt decided to appear in this form, as he was known for his camp costumes, so showing up in a wedding dress was nothing short of something he would do. But it seems Preston isn't the only spirit on the premises. Apparently, his cat has also joined him in the afterlife. As the home now operates as an inn, there are no animals allowed on the premises due to the potential allergies of guests. However, at night, many guests claim they can feel the light treading of paws on the bed and a cat curl up at their side. Sometimes the ghost cat can be seen zipping down the halls in a blur or pulling the blankets from the bed to create a small nest to nap in. Despite these positive presences, there may be something darker also lurking in the shadows. A shadow figure has been seen in the Rose Room, which is in the oldest part of the property. This figure has been seen meandering through the chamber, pacing, standing, looming. But the identity of the spirit remains a mystery. So while Provincetown is now known as a gay resort town, known for its eccentricity, It has been home to its fair share of historic tragedies and trauma. Despite the burden it has carried, the community members have always lifted it out of the mire, elevating it to be something so much more. If you ever find yourself in P-Town, 
have a stay at the Rose and Crown. You might just be in for the drag show of a lifetime. Now, this is one of the rare instances where pretty much everything I've told you is true. The only thing that I think may not be true is about the guest finding the self-portrait of Babbitt. Because as of 2018, in an article I read, that painting is cited as missing. However, it could have been stolen or gone missing in the 18 years since the encounter. Now, I want to address something that you're probably thinking Am I being hypocritical? Because I know a couple episodes earlier, I said I only like telling older stories because I don't like telling recent ones because family and friends are often still alive and I don't want to tread on anything or bring up bad memories or misspeak about someone's family. But I felt different about Preston Babbitt. I wanted to highlight such an important figure during the AIDS epidemic and just celebrate his life. Just in my research, every description of him was just so joyful and so full of a love of life. And I love the idea that his spirit and both his actual spirit and his spirit of cheer and joy and comfort lives on in the afterlife. And it's clear how much his family and his community meant to him. His daughter, Lauren Mitchell, said, He just loved to be happy. I don't think I ever saw a day when he wasn't happy. When I went for a walk down the street, everyone there knew me as his daughter, even if I wasn't with him. My dad was the most amazing man in the whole world. He was the best. And she recounts just all the times that she spent with her father and how memorable it was and how comfortable he made everyone. Uh, They loved to do dress up, dressing up as pilgrims as they recreated the landing of the Mayflower on the beach or dressing her husband up as Gay Zorro for Carnival. So Preston Babbitt just seems like this joyful, wonderful spirit, like not even just a spirit as in a ghost, but just a spirit as in his essence. But more than that, he cared about his community. Preston's friend and former co-worker, Irene Rabonowitz, said he loved Provincetown, he cared deeply about the community, but he also just loved to play. He loved fashion and clothes and was also very serious and very into issues. It was his belief at the support group that everyone with HIV positivity be treated compassionately and fairly. And at that time, that was an incredibly progressive viewpoint. At that point in time, people with AIDS or HIV were looked at as pariahs, and people were even afraid to touch them. I mean, we know better now, but at that time, especially for gays, we mean, we've lost a whole generation to this terrible disease. And I, I love that today's story could be about someone who was there for the community during its most dire time of need. And also, I think it's important to recognize the role that lesbian women also had during this pandemic, often taking care of gay men who fell ill with with this disease, much like his co-worker, Nurse Alice Foley. I know this episode is short and not maybe as historical as some would like, though it is very important history. We don't talk about queer history enough. I think in terms of just like our basic education and stories like these are important. 
and we can have fun with them and talk about the ghosts. But today, I just want us to walk away from this episode with a lesson. And I think a lesson that we can all learn, and I surely can learn from someone like Preston Babbitt, is just to face life with pride and joy and positivity, even when faced with the most difficult and trying times in our life. It's not easy, and even people like Preston Babbitt wavered, but it's something that we should all strive for and just try and embody in our day-to-day lives. Like, be proud that you're alive, be happy to just live in the moment and just celebrate every day that you do have. Like Preston, treat life as a party, and it may not always be the best party, and I'm sure you're going to want to leave sometimes, but just stay. Stay and try and make the best of it. Those who love you and care for you, they're there to help you enjoy the party. And if not, even if the party is that bad, they can still be with you to help you through. Maybe not the best analogy, but you know, I think it's an important one. And with that, I think that's where I'm going to end today's episode. It's a bit short, but you know, sometimes it's okay to keep it short, sweet, and sappy. So just live Pride Month with pride, live every day with pride, whether you are part of the LGBTQIA plus community or not, just live your life with joy as best as you can. So, as always, don a fabulous costume to traipse around in, snuggle your ghost cats close, and as always, stay pridefully spooky. Bye. Ha ha ha.